My name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Have you ever heard the saying that the husband is the head of the, or the father is the head of the, the family? You ever heard that? Have you ever heard this? The wife is the neck and she moves the head wherever she wants it to go. Well, that's kind of how today's message is coming about because she says it hasn't been this many times, but I believe it has been at least a half a dozen times that Anne suggested that I speak on the subject of parenting grown children. And uh, so I'm going to take that from the Lord. I can't remember Anne really pressuring me like she has this time to, uh, to speak on a subject. And I, I shouldn't... I'm, being funny there. She hasn't pressured me. She's just mentioned it several times. I'm going to take that being from the Lord. Now that being said, um, I'm going to tell you this is hard to speak on. Can I tell you why it's hard to speak on? Because I, I want to be a, a, a Bible teacher. And you know, there's no really, there's no place anywhere in the Word of God that I can just turn to and say, thus says the Lord, this is how you parent grown children. And uh, so I don't have any definitive uh, text that I can point to. Now, I, I do believe there are biblical principles, and I'm going to speak this morning anecdotally from my experience as a pastor and as a father of, of raising six adult children. But I want you to consider today's message somewhat just pastoral advice. Um, as you said last week, Micah, this is Micah's speech, you said, just distinguishing it from, you know, thus saith the Lord. And so, I, you know, I've, I, this is, a lot of this message today is going to be Jimmy's speak. However, I, I am going to draw from the scriptures, principles, and I also am going to say, as the Apostle Paul said, not, not at the same level, but I will say, as he once said, I have the Spirit of God within me, and I believe the things I'm going to share with you today uh, will be helpful in parenting grown children. But I'm fully aware that I could be wrong, I'm fully aware that I might get it wrong, and so what I'm asking for you from you today is for you to just take... Um, uh, Take the things that I'm going to say, and you ask the Spirit, seek the Spirit. Spirit, are these things from you? Is these things Are these things that I need to incorporate in my life as a parent of an adult child? I, I, have, um, I have four exhortations for you that I'm going to share uh, with you. But before I start, I think this is maybe what I wanted to say a minute ago. Some of you are already tuning me out. You say, well, I'm just a parent of a, I saw all my kids are at home. What has this got to do with me today? Well, the, the things that I'm going to say, I honestly believe that God has things to say to you as a, as a child, an adult child of, of a parent. So I think there's things, I think there's going to be things for all of us to glean from what I'm going to share this morning. But I have four exhortations for us. Here's the first one. Recognize and embrace your change of role from authority to influence. We'll say it again. You know, embrace, embrace with gusto, embrace with enthusiasm the fact that your role is now changing and you are no longer, I don't believe anyway, the authority in your children's lives as a, as the parent of an adult child. You're no longer their authority, but you are now their influencer, hopefully their greatest cheerleader, hopefully their greatest influencer. Now, um, the Bible says, obey your parents in the Lord. And the question then becomes, does that mean 
Always? Is that an indefinite command? Obey your children, uh, obey your parents always, whatever your age? Or is that a command just for children in the home? Are they to obey while they're in the home? Bill Gothard, who influenced myself and maybe a lot of you all, he, he taught, uh, I don't think he's teaching anymore, but he, he used to teach that this was an indefinite command that there was no end to this. And so as a child, you needed to be obedient to your parent, parents, whatever your age. The verse in question is Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Well, there's no qualification in that verse other than obey your parents in the Lord. And so some people reason that that means that I need to obey my parents perpetually, whatever whatever the age, whatever the situation or circumstance. But I disagree. I don't think that's true. And the reason I say this is because Paul, before Paul ever said this uh, and gave this command, uh, there is the categorical statement that a man and woman are to leave their father and mother and they are to form a new family unit. Now, it doesn't say it specifically there, but, but I think it's a logical inference that when you leave your father and your mother and you cleave to your wife and you become a family, a new family of your own, that you are no longer under their authority. Furthermore, I'd suggest, and you correct me if I'm wrong, don't do it in the service, but later on you correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't remember any situations in the Bible where we see adult children obeying their adult parents, you know, their aged parents. Now, I'm not talking about honoring them. I'm not talking about showing them deference. I'm talking about there's no there's be any situation where they are somehow under obligation to obey their, their parents. So when it comes to parenting your grown children, adults or parents, here's, here's something that you need to embrace. There's going to come a time when your children move out from under your authority and God's authority and they're going to be under God's authority. And your role is going to change from authority in their life to being one of counsel and one of influence. Now, when this happens, when is this to happen? We could argue uh, about that. When should it happen culturally? Does culture dictate when that happens? In the Jewish culture of old, I, I've read and I've been told that the Jews considered a man a man at the age of 13. I remember when my children were coming along, 13 was the magical age. Hey, if they did it in Jewish history, we're going to do it here. And uh, 13 was my, my coming of age where I declared my son's men and, and all the rest. Well, I, I tell you, you can declare them men all you want, but they're not men at 13. And they're, they're not really free. They weren't really out from under my authority at the age of 13. So does culture dictated? In our culture, I'd say it's maybe 18 or 21. Or is it, is it when they get married, when somebody gets married, is that when they become an emancipated adult and no longer under your authority? I mean, we could argue when that is. The Bible does not definitively say, but I again want to say almost categorically that I believe this has to happen, that uh, a son and daughter need to move out from under the authority of their parents and recognize that they are under God's authority directly and you become an influencer, a counsel in their life. Indelibly impressed upon my life is what my father did for me. And my dad, um, I, you know, I was when I was young, it was back for the day of Internet. It was back for the day of cell phone. Man, it was the old dark ages, right? And uh, I went off to college, and the only way to communicate there was by the payphone in the 
Some of you old guys, you'll remember this, right? Your parents would call you and some guy would run down, knock on your door and say, hey, your dad is on the payphone down there, right? Because that's how you talk to your parents. But, but my dad did something for me that I thought was just really special. My dad wrote me a page to two page letter every single week, typed out, single spaced, telling me what was happening in the family. And just writing me encouragement. And one of the letters that my father sent me, I, I just remembered, I, you know, I kept saying, go look for it so I could read you part of it, but I, I kept forgetting to do it. But in that letter, this is what my dad said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. He basically said, son, you are no longer under my authority. You are a man under God's authority now. And he said, I'm going to continue to give you advice and counsel, but you have to make decisions as you see fit now before the Lord. And, and I can remember how, how, how much that letter meant to me that my father would declare me uh, a man, uh, a man under authority, under God's authority and not under his authority, and moving from a relationship of authority under my father to one, if you would, of, of influence and peer, if you would, with my dad. That meant an awful lot to me. Dads, I, you know, young dads with your kids coming up, there's, there's something that if your kids aren't already grown, that's something maybe you might consider at some point in the future with your own children, if you, if you believe I'm right here, that we move from authority to, to influencer. But what I'd like you to do for the next few minutes is I'd like to, you to assume my premise to be true, even if you don't agree. And, and by the way, there's a lot of people, you go out on, the, on Google, Google it, and you'll find there's a lot of people that say you're always under your parents' authority and you should always obey your parents, whatever they say, whenever they say it, whatever the age. I'm telling you, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's right. But so assume with me for a minute that I am right and that there comes a time when you move out from under their authority and you be, you, you become alongside them with influence and, and counsel as a parent. Now, I got six practical ramifications for this for you. OK, but it's really only three because I'm asking you to find a balance between two extremes if, or not. Maybe not between two extremes, a balance in the extreme. OK, so here we go. Here's the first ramification of this new role of of influencer and counsel. Here's my first thing. Be an available resource of wisdom to your children. So parents, be there for your kids. I mean, offer your, my dad offered himself as counsel to me, and, and, I, and I knew it. And, and young people, listen, your parents, and again, I'm going to say this one time, there are going to be exceptions to everything that I say today. So if you want to run to the exception and prove me wrong, that's fine. But generally speaking, your parents are going to be a great source of wisdom to you. They know you. They, they, they have lived ahead of you. And so you would be very wise to listen to their counsel. But parents, I'm talking to you and I'm telling you, be an open door of resource to your child, to your grown children. Offer yourself. I mean, be there for them. Give them advice and, and counsel. Few things bless me more as the parent of grown children. And I, I honestly, few things bless me more than to have one of my children call me up and, and seek my counsel. Now, the only thing they really call me up for is how to fix the toilet or how to change the oil. And I'm glad for those things. I, you know, they're going to they're going to seek me out for some other bigger things, too. But they're seeking counsel from me. And that always means a great deal for me. Now, the second thing is the extreme. Be, be, a, be a source of wisdom and counsel for them. But stop trying to fix and control your children. That's, that's the other side of that coin, or that's the extreme of that. Quit trying to fix your, uh, your children. Be a resource for them. Avail, let, avail yourself to them so they can seek your counsel. But quit 
telling your children what to do all the time. Quit interfering by offering counsel that they haven't asked for and, and, and they don't particularly want. The truth is, when we're constantly inserting ourselves into our grown children's lives, let me tell you what we're doing. We are trying to control them. We're trying to change them. We're trying to make them do what we want them to do. And I think nothing is worse. Uh, I don't know, I keep using these extreme statements. It's a terrible thing to have an interfering parent who's always trying to control you, always trying to tell you what to do. And in fact, it's, it's really hard to have a controlling person in your life. It doesn't have to be a parent, right? Uh, anybody who's trying to control you by constantly telling you what to do, that's a, that's a hard person to have in your life. But it's really hard also when it's your parents because you can't get rid of them. I mean, they're your parents for life, right? And, and so when it's your parents, it's really, really hard. So parent, I'm telling you, be a resource of wisdom to your children, but quit trying to fix them and quit trying to control them by always telling them what to do. And everyone loves Raymond. Y'all remember Marie Barone? Yeah, Marie, if you've ever watched TV and you've watched Everyone Loves Raymond, Marie Barone was the epitome of the kind of parent that I'm talking about, always interjecting herself into her son's lives. And some of you are saying, man, I am not Marie Barone. Let me say before you congratulate yourself, you don't have to be as extremely awful as Marie to still be bad. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, so parents don't, don't, you know, you, you don't have to give an opinion on everything. You don't have to, you don't have to correct your children on everything that you think that they're, that they're maybe are not choosing wisely. So here's my third thing, which is really kind of my second thing. All right. Be, be a beacon of caution to your children. Just because I'm telling you that you shouldn't be constantly interfering and constantly giving advice. I am not saying that you back away from the protective role of your children. Be a beacon of caution to your children. No one knows your children better than you. No one knows their weaknesses. No one knows the areas they're going to be prone to, to slip in. And so you should be that caution to your children. When, uh, when Ethan, our son Ethan, wanted to be a police officer, actually went to, to college, you know, for, for that and all. I mean, Ann and I counseled him against that because back then he was having a hard time controlling his emotions and his anger in particular. And I'm really happy to report to you. I can't remember. The last time in, in my whole, my son's marriage, I can't remember ever seeing or hearing of him losing his temper. God's really done a work there to help him. But when he was younger, his anger would flare up. And we would say, son, you're not a good candidate for the police force because when you got a gun on your side and you can't control your anger, police force is just probably not a good thing for you. So we're offering a word of caution to our, our son. Ezekiel tells, uh, tells us, he says, you know, if, if you're a watchman on the wall, and you don't warn of danger you see, then I'm going to hold you accountable. So parent, listen, you're a watchman on the wall for your children. And so you need to be that beacon of caution when you see things. Now, that's, that's, that's what you ought to do. But here's the extreme. Stop trying to rescue your children or stop rescuing your children all the time. Quit, quit bailing, bailing them out, rescuing. Listen, you have to allow your children, including your grown children, you have to let them reap the consequences of their behavior because if not, you're going to create an, an enable. You're going to enable them and you're going to create someone who can never function in society if you're always rescuing your child. You, you see what I'm saying? Be the beacon of caution. But when you've been the beacon of caution, you need to be careful not to be the fixer of everything that they do wrong. God, does, God treats us that way. He says, don't be fooled. A man reaps what he sows. 
And so, you know, if you continually if you continue to sow poorly, you are going to reap the whirlwind from that. It's it's natural for our for us as parents to want to rescue our children, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I love my kids in a way I can't even explain it. But I love my kids, and I want to rescue them. But sometimes my rescuing can become uh, uh, an enablement of bad behavior. We pay our kids debts. We give them money when they're not willing to work. We see what that does, right? Even in our culture, we're finding that now. We can't find people to work because there's we're enabling people to not work. At some point, you have to begin to let your children reap the consequences of problematic and wrong behavior so that they will learn and grow and God can, can teach them. Now, again, let me, again, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm not talking about your, your kids stumble and there's a one-time problem that you can bail. Absolutely help them out. I'm talking about the perpetual problem and perpetual you know, failures that go on that we keep enabling that behavior. That leads me to the four, fifth thing, third, and that's set boundaries. Now, if you've been rescuing your, rescuing your children for a lifetime, and this is going to take a while, but but you're going to have to set boundaries uh, so they can reap some of the ne- negative consequences of dependence on your enablement. And what I mean by boundaries is you're going to have to say, "I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to continue to re- I'm not going to continue to rescue you from your bad behavior." And and so that might mean you need to sit down with Sam. You know what? I'm not loaning you any more money. I'm not giving you any more money. Hey, I'm not going to bail you out of jail anymore. You know, I'm not going to bail you out of jail anymore. Uh, you know, I'm not going to cancel my plans at the last minute to babysit because you haven't you haven't taken responsibility for that. I'm not going to continue to do that. So maybe you need to set some boundaries. But the other side of this is you observe boundaries that your your grown children set. In other words, you, you know, you have to honor their parenting and their family and their rules and how they're doing it. And you know what? They may be doing it different than you. They may, they may have made choices that are different than yours. And so you have to honor their choices. So if your kids say to you, you know, dad, don't come over without calling first. I'd really appreciate that. Or mom, don't come over without calling first. And you know, I mean, you're, you're wounded by that because man, surely they love you. You should come over. If they ask you that, you need to observe that boundary. If they say, Grandpa, Granddaddy, don't buy this for my children because I don't want my children to have this thing or that thing, then don't do it. And don't make your house a refuge. You know, hey, we really don't want our children to have this candy or whatever. Yeah, but they come over to Grandma and Granddaddy's and they get that. Or they come over to Grandma and Granddaddy's to get to watch TV that they wouldn't necessarily, that maybe your children don't let their children watch TV. You need to honor the boundaries that you're children have set. That's what it means to move from an authority. You are no longer the authority. You do not have the right to supersede what your children are asking of you. Here's the second. This is Jimmy Speak. I get it. Here's the second one. Repair mistakes and broken relationships with your kids. I got four points. This is the, the first one was embrace your role of moving from authority to influence. Here, here's my second one. Repair mistakes and broken relationships with your children. Now, let's begin by acknowledging parents of of grown children that we didn't do it all right, that we screwed up along the way, that we hurt our children. We made some mistakes. Some of them are are really terrible mistakes. I think I've told you this story before, so forgive me. I'm going to tell it again because it's a great story and it fits what I want to the point I want to make. But I did a funeral for a dear friend and uh, and his his some one of his children came to me and said, if you talk about my parent the way you knew him, 
then and they had they had more than a few siblings. Some of my siblings are going to get up and walk out because dad wasn't that way when they were little. And they went on to share with me about some of the things, some of the decisions their father had made. And he'd made some pretty big mistakes and uh, pretty serious mistakes in the area of harshness and hypocrisy. And what was really sad to me was because I love this brother. He was he was my friend. What was really sad to me was that he was gone and I couldn't help him fix those mistakes. I couldn't help him. But but I can help us today by saying, listen, parent, if you messed up and you hurt your children, your grown children, then I'm telling you, fix it. I'm telling you, repair it. Maybe to this day, your kids carry around an offense because you were an angry parent. Or maybe you were a disconnected parent, an unavailable parent. Maybe you were a lazy parent or a preferential parent. You know, I mean, I could I could go on and on. An unloving parent. You, you were one of those parents. And today you have an estranged relationship with your children because you were flawed in your parenting. I'm not throwing stones at us. All of us have failed, right? But maybe maybe you've dropped the ball on a big point, And today you feel estranged from your adult children. I mean, if you can humble yourself and look and say, am I responsible for that? Is this because of me? If it is because of you, then I'm telling you how to parent your adult children. I'm telling you, repent, fix it. Go back and say, I'm sorry. Go back and ask for forgiveness. Go back and see if you can, see if you can, as much as it depends on you, fix it. Repair the wall or tear down the wall, whichever way you want the metaphor to go. It works both ways. Either repair the wall or tear it down, but, but fix the mistakes that you made as a parent of a grown child. I'm asking you to take the initiative. And I've asked Anne if she would share a short testimony. You take as long as you want, honey. As long as it's under five minutes. No. Okay, I'll stay, I'll stay right here. No, she, can talk. she can talk. She want to use that one right there. Okay, guys. Okay. I'll give my example and then I have something else I want to say. Um, you know... I'll just tell you this one funny thing. I, I remember one time I said to one of my children, man, I'm such a failure as a mother. And she goes, what's wrong with us that you feel like a failure? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. That was bad. So don't tell your children you feel like a failure as a mother. Um, and I did want to say this. I felt like I emphasized this with Jimmy because... When you're young and you're starting out with your children, there's a lot of advice out there. There's books. There's all kinds of things to help you parent little babies and older children. But I felt like I was blindsided by that transitional adult, you know, the older child to the adult age. I, I was blindsided by that. And I was an emotional wreck over that. Um, having to let my children make choices that I didn't want them to make or do things I didn't want them to do, all, all these things. I was kind of blindsided by that, and I really, it was that transition area that seemed to cause me a lot of struggle, a lot of emotional struggle. And my kids are past that now, so I really don't have that. Um, and I'll, one other thing on the rescuing your children, I remember a very, I have two testimonies, a very specific time, I kept bailing Caleb out with money. I gave him lots and lots of money. And, um, okay. <laughs> well, he actually did find out about it retro. Um, I remember, you know, it took him five years to get through college as opposed to four. And that was a tough thing. A lot of it was my own, my fault. 
God said to me, I'm trying to do something here, and you keep getting in the way. I, I never heard God speak to me so clearly, and I had to end my financial help for my son, and he's doing very well, so it worked out. Um, Jimmy asked me to speak about repairing broken relationships, and I wasn't going to use this person's name. I was going to use the pronoun they, but um, y'all have to laugh at that. I did. <laughs> I was going to use the pronoun they, so you wouldn't know. But, you know, I, I, only, I had six children, three boys, three girls. It was a boy child. Um, anyway, I had a struggle raising them. We, we clashed all the time. And we had a really hard relationship, even when he was a little boy. And he kind of got worse and better and worse and better. And it was hard. And I knew it was hard. And actually, when he, when I would say or do things that were hurtful, I would always, even as the little child, I would go and apologize to him and say, you know, I was wrong. I should not have responded that way. I shouldn't have done this. But then, actually, um, you know, I did that as a child, but actually I felt like when they became an adult, those things were still barriers in our relationship. I still felt like, and maybe it was just me, I still felt like I had a real barrier in my relationship with him. And um, I actually asked him as an adult to forgive me for some of the ways that I parented him. I tended to yell at him just in case y'all ever felt like I was a perfect mother, I, I yelled at him. I yelled at all of them somewhat. Um, he didn't respond to yelling. Coaches that yelled at him, that was, mm-mm, no. Anyway, I did yell at him, and um, I, I had apologized to him. But then a couple of years ago, um, we were at a, with a, our family in a group. Jimmy wasn't even there. And he came out with a statement that I made. He said that I made. And I looked at him and I said, I never in my life said that to you. And he said, yes, you did. And I said, no, I didn't. And I got really upset and I started crying and I left the room. So... I then went out and I told him I need to talk to you about this. So we went away by ourselves and I said, you know, I really don't think I ever said that. However, um, if that's what you believe, I am so, so mortified and I am so, so sorry. And I never felt that way. You know, and I was crying and he said, it's okay, mom. It's okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. And I said, well, I just love you. I, you know, and I'm so proud of you. And he did that. And then I, I just kind of keep getting in, in it with him. But I told him I watch his wife parent, and I thought, wow, she has tools I never had. And I told him again. I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I just didn't have these the knowledge to maybe handle you in a different way than than I do. And you know, I apologize again. He's okay, mom. And Jimmy told me the other day. He goes, don't ever apologize for any of this again. And I think I, he's right. I don't need to continue to pursue this. Um, I feel like if if it is in my mind, it's just Satan trying to separate us or to harm me. Um, I have said all that I can say to him and ask forgiveness for, um, you know, just our rough relationship. And, um, you know, I just appreciate his graciousness. I hope truly a wound has been healed there. Um, but anyway, that was all. <laughs>
So I asked Ann to share that because that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just, you know, whatever it is, if we have a child who has something against us, then, then we need to fix it, especially if it's on us. And even if it's not on us, it, you know, it, it's, it's never, I don't think it's ever wrong to go and say, you know, I, our relationship is hurting and I want to, I want to fix this, you know, and I want to, you know, I want to ask your forgiveness. You know, that none of us did it perfect. So you can always start there, right? You can always start there. And I remember Jesus said, remember Jesus talked about a story about the, the going to worship. And he says, if you go to worship and you remember somebody has something against you, he says, man, leave your worship there and go fix that. That's what I'd say to you today, parent. If, I mean, if, you're, if, you, if your son, daughter has something against you and you know it, humble yourself. Leave, leave your worship. Go and fix that. Number three, number three, pursue a relationship with your children. This is, this is how you parent grown kids. You pursue a relationship with your kids, with your older kids. As much as it depends on you, pursue them and uh, pursue a relationship, a friendship with them. And I believe we do that in two ways. Here's number one. You never stop loving them. You never stop loving them. And, uh, and I want to give you, I want to give you what I want. This is what I think that looks like. Never, never stopping loving them looks like this in my mind. Anyway, it means number one, you never give up on them, no matter how, how off path they may have gone. You just never give up on them. Remember Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son, right? And, uh, and this wasn't even his point, but in the story, Jesus talks about this young man who asked his dad for his inheritance because he basically says, dad, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I really want to go on my way. Can you give me my inheritance now so I can do that? And his dad does. And, and one day, you know, having spent his inheritance, he recognizes, man, things back home are better than they are here. I'll go home and see if I can work for dad and just be a servant rather than be a son. And he, he picks up to go home. But the point of the story that I want you to, to remember, to take note of, is what Jesus says the father always did. It says the father was always looking for his son. He was always waiting for his son. And when he saw his son afar off, man, he took off running for his son. That, that, that man never gave up hope in the story that Jesus told. He never gave up hope. And so never, always loving your children, never stopping to love your children means never giving up on them, no matter how poorly they might be doing or no matter how bad it might seem. And the other thing means never stop engaging with them. Now, this is where some of you may disagree with me on this. And again, I'm trying, I'm speaking anecdotally. I'm speaking from the things that I, that I see. And again, you may disagree with me. We actually had this conversation in Sunday school this morning, but never stop engaging them. And I say this is tough because what about Matthew 18? I raised my kids to know Jesus. There was one time they were baptized and following Jesus, but today they're not following Jesus and they're living a lifestyle that's, I'm not talking about our kids. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about our kids. <laughs> my wife's frantic over here. I'm not talking about it. I'm saying pretend it's you and you've raised your children to love Jesus, but they've rejected Jesus now. And they're living a, a contrary lifestyle uh, to the Lord. And you say, well, wait a minute. Matthew 18 says that Jesus said in Matthew 18, you go to him, confront him. And if they don't listen, if he doesn't pay attention, even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. And so people think that means that they should stop engaging with their children and cut them off and have nothing to do with them. I, I don't think that's what Jesus means by that. Let me tell you why. Because that's not how Jesus taught, uh, treated tax collectors and Gentiles. As a matter of fact, when the religious people were cutting them off, 
And having nothing to do with them, Jesus was partying, partying with them, if you would, having a dinner supper together. And when they came and said, how can you associate with those people like that? Jesus said, it's not the, it's not the well who need the doctor, it's the sick that need the doctor. So that's what I'm here about. So if you want to take Jesus' words, how he treated tax collectors and Gentiles is, man, he loved them and he engaged with them. So, so here's my point. When, what Matthew 18 means in my mind is this. After repeatedly attempting to win back someone who once was part of us, whether it's our children or whether it's someone else, after repeated attempts of trying to win them and being unsuccessful, I think Jesus simply means we don't treat them as a brother in Christ anymore. And treating them as a brother in Christ may mean cutting them off for a season, right? But I, I think he means at some point we recognize that they're not following me. They're not following Jesus. And so therefore, treat them like you would all other people who don't know Jesus. And how do we treat people who don't know Jesus, everyone? How do we treat people who we consider to be not found yet? I mean, we pray for them. We go for them. We leave the 99 and go after them. We engage them. We're salt and light for them. So I would say to you, never, I'm getting a little bit emotional here. I would say to you, never cut your children off. If there comes a time, now, again, I, I know there's circumstances, okay? Uh, but I'm saying that don't cut your children off because they're, they choose to not follow Jesus and their lifestyle is sinful and not the same as yours. I think, it, I think you don't cut them off. I think you gauge them and you seek to win them. You speak the truth, but you love them so that they know, even though they know that you believe that the choices they've made are sinful and wrong, that you love them and you want them to be with you for an eternity and following Jesus. So again, you might disagree and that's fine, but I, I, believe that, I believe that going back to my point, pursuing a relationship with your children means never stopping loving them. And that means, you know, uh, never giving up, always hoping and always never cutting them off. And the second, the second thing that I said, it says two parts to that, to, to, to uh, pursuing your children here, here to pursue your children, <laughs> take the relationship with, I mean, take the initiative with your children. You know, uh, I call my mom a lot these days. This, here's a side story for you. So after dad died, my brothers and I were calling my mom every day and uh, the, all, all four of us calling her every single day. And one day we were talking to her on the iPad. She doesn't know this, but she will listen to this. So I think she's going to find this out today. But anyway, she, uh, she had her iPad talking to one of us and uh, she didn't hang up. Because the phone rang. She said, well, I got to go. My phone's ringing. And she put the iPad down beside her, but it's still on. She picks up the phone. Obviously, the person says, yeah, I was talking to one of my sons. And my mother goes, and a lady always says, your son's calling you. And she goes, oh, it's wonderful. My sons call me all the time now, every day. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, so after Irvin died, we called her all the time, right? We heard her telling that people that, her, her friend that. What a shame it is that dad had to die before we called so much. What a shame. You know, my point is that as a son, I didn't call my parents very much. Not until dad died did I call my parents. I was raising my kids, you know, um, I was busy. Dad, dad and I theologically didn't agree on a lot of things, and so there was a barrier there. And I, I wondered this week if maybe the barrier was because, in part, because I wasn't really reaching out to, uh, to my dad. Today I'm a dad, and I find myself wishing my kids would reach out to me, wishing that they would call more often, take, take more of an initiative. But, but alas, like their dad, i.e. me, they're busy raising their kids. 
and, and they're they're just in you know they're involved in their life and dad and mom live a long way away and they're not really thinking about about me so uh my point is this parents you be the one you adult you parents of adult children you be the ones to take the initiative you be the ones to reach out um don't make a pest of yourself don't call every day don't text every day don't even text every week or call every week necessarily, right? But but regularly, you take the initiative. Offer yourself by, you know, calling. And I know there's exceptions. My brother has one son that calls him all the time. So I know some, some of you younger adult parents, you're going to be calling your parents. I get that. But my point is to you parents of, of adult children, you be the initiator. And don't get your feelings hurt if, if they're not reaching out to you all the time. If they're not making the first phone call, you be the initiator. Because there will come a time when uh, they'll be glad that you did that. They'll be glad that you reached out to them. And then finally, uh, my last thing here is pray for them. My last point is pray for them. And I'd like to urge you to pray for your children. I realized as Ann was talking that I didn't really probably address the main issue that she wanted me to talk about, which is the transition between authority and, uh, and influence or counsel. Did you catch that in what she was saying? That it's hard. So uh, before I go into this, well, let me back up just a little bit and say this. When it comes to that transition, point number one, authority and, and, and counsel, it's not like, you know, authority, 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 boom, cut off. Now it's counsel. There's a transition as my kids are getting older that I'm giving them more and more counsel and letting them make decisions on their own. And like she said, you younger parents who have just little guys and you're with the stroller and all that and you think it's hard, you don't know nothing yet. You don't know nothing yet. You wait till you have to be the parent of that kid navigating between adult youth and adulthood, right? That, that's a whole lot harder. That's what she wanted me to speak on. Sorry, I didn't do that. Go to Anne for counsel. She can give it to you. All right. Pray, pray for them. And, uh, and so I'd like to say to you, parents of adult kids, pray for your children often. Pray for them by name. Pray for them specifically. I mean, pray for your children. And I, and I, cause I believe God hears prayers. I mean, wait, we've, I've said this many times. I don't understand all exactly how prayer works, but, but prayer, I mean, God calls us to pray. So pray for your kids. Here's what I'd say to pray for them. Pray for their relationship with God. You know, I'm not one of these that believes that it's it's all on 100% God. He chooses who he wants to have a relationship with. I, I don't believe that. And so I believe that praying for my children can affect my children. I believe God can hear my prayers and not give up on my children where he may have given up on them. I, I pray where, I, you know, my prayers for my children can, can move the hand of God in my kids' life. So pray for your children, your adult children. Pray for their relationship with God and, and pray, and pray aggressively for that, for them to grow in, in their relationship with Christ. And I tell you what, Ann and I have been praying that for our children since they were grown. And, and, and we can both say, like I told you about, uh, about Ethan a minute ago, I've, I've seen how God's changed him and worked in his life. And, and uh, so, yeah, pray for their relationship. Pray for their marriage. A selfless marriage is one of the best things that God ever gave us as humanity, is a selfless marriage, where both of us are living selflessly for one another. I, I think that's the greatest thing that God, could, God gave us, really. But you know what? You're married a sinner, and uh, you married a selfish person. And the truth is that, and if you get that, that we're all selfish, and we're all sinful, and we're all broken. So a lot of times marriage is really hard. And people can really struggle in marriage. So here's what I'd say. Pray for your kids' marriages. 
I mean, pray for them. Pray often for that. Pray for, pray for them to uh, be the kind of parents they need to be in their marriage. Pray for them to be the kind of spouses they need to be. Pray for them to be selfless. Pray for their parenting. We've already established parenting is hard. We can make lots of mistakes. Pray for them to do well at parenting. So, so when I'm walking down the road in the morning, these are the kind of things that I'm trying to pray for my kids. So I just wrote them down for you. Pray for their provision. Pray, pray for their jobs. Pray that they'll be good at their work and they'll have wisdom on what jobs to take. Pray that they won't compromise on their work. But, but you know, I mean, in this day and age, you know, uh, that, that's, being, that's kind of getting hard to navigate. So pray for their provision. And finally, pray for their progeny. Somebody this week asked me, what does progeny mean? I don't, I don't know what that means. Well, that's another way of, fancy way of saying uh, pray for your grandkids. Pray for their children. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for, pray for them early on that Jesus would be, you know, that he would, Jesus would be real to them through your kids, through their parents. Pray for them. Pray for how you can be involved in their life. Pray for your grandkids. So I'm done. Let me recap real quick. My first point. Again, Jimmy speak, recognize and embrace your change of role from authority to influence. Number two, repair mistakes and broken relationships with your kids, especially if, if the brokenness is on your end. Pursue a relationship with your kids. Never stop loving them. Never give up on them. Never stop engaging with them. Pursue the relationship. And, and you know, don't, don't get your feelings hurt. If you feel like you're the pursuer, be the pursuer. That's what I'm challenging you to do. And then finally, pray for them. Pray for them. That's my counsel. As uh, that's my counsel as a as a parent who's got six, who's got five adult children. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you got it. Let's pray. Father, may these words be words that you agree with. May I have shared things that are keeping with your word, and I pray that they would help us, Lord, as parents of adult children. Uh, Lord, we, we recognize how, uh, you know, maybe how imperfectly we were the parents of little children, and we recognize that we're not all that perfect at doing the adult thing either. But Lord, help us to be, help us to be the best parent of adult children we can be. Lord, knit our hearts together with our children, grow our relationships with our adult children, strengthen those relationships, encourage them. Lord, use us for your glory, uh, in, in parenting, in parenting. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Be blessed.